So where would you say you are and find yourself in the ladder of life? Is it something that you've been climbing? Have you, have you reached the rungs that you've been chasing after for some time? Perhaps this, this season is, is one that's maybe slowed that down, those aspirations, your energy to get to the top just hasn't quite been working out like you thought it should. Maybe, maybe you're like me and at times you, after each and every step that you take up, you begin to wonder, is this really what this has to offer? After all of this work, after all that I've achieved, this is what I have to show for it. See, as we continue in our series today, uh, I think it's a question that we all need to wrestle with, that we all need to look inside ourselves and say, is the ladder truly worth climbing so in life? Or perhaps there's a different way that we should go about it. I want to welcome you to week three of our teaching series called The Separation of Church and Hate. Now, we need to know that we're not a political church. This is not a series trying to get you to change your political views or to tell you how to vote. Rather, it's a series all about how we respond to one another during this season in political climate. See, the big idea for this series has been one of how we respond to each other, and it's this. It's that we can disagree politically and still love unconditionally. That you and I, you and your neighbor, you and your coworker can have different opinions, but as Christians and as the church, we should still be able to love one another unconditionally. The last two weeks, Danny's talked about how we approach each other with, with civility and with dignity. And today, I want us to continue this conversation as we talk about something that I think we all know, something that we all uh, maybe perhaps try at least to aspire to, but it always evades us a little bit. And that's the word humility. Because don't we like humble people? Like they're fun to be around. That in humility, it's something that looks good on everyone. But it's kind of weird to talk about, right? To say that you're kind of chasing after humility as an attribute in your life. The theologian Richard Foster put it this way. He said, humility is never gained by seeking it. And then C.S. Lewis, he said, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Rather, it's thinking about yourself less. Right? And that's where humility is tough for a lot of us because we, we maybe find ourselves thinking, I know I need to, 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 to maybe be a more humble person or approach others with a more humble attitude. But what you can't start to do is, is kind of walk into a room and, and kind of see everyone who's in there and just kind of say, yep, I knew it. I knew it. I'm, 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 I'm definitely the humblest person in this room today. Because as soon as you start to think about it, you're no longer a humble person. I always joke around with people, if you want to know what humility looks like very tangibly, it's just ask anyone with kids or someone who works with kids. Because these two-year-olds have this ability to rule the world and to be the emperors of their families. These little children have the ability to have all this power over a grown man. Humility. It's something that I think we all know when we see it. Something that, that, that warms our heart when we experience it. And so in the scope of this series, I think humility poses a question for each and every one of us to consider, and it's this. It's that, do you want to be right or right with people? 
Are you more concerned about being right in your views and having the other person know it? Or do you generally want to be right with each and every person? See, what we're going to hopefully discover this morning is something that we see Jesus consistently do, that even though he was always right because he was God, he never made a mistake, he never sinned, he always put at the top a way of being right, a call, a command to be right with God and other people. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Now, if you haven't had the chance to download our First Christian Church app, I would love for you to take a moment and do this. Grab out your phone, go to your app store, type in First Christian Church Champaign-Urbana and follow along with us. It's a great resource that you can have to take a next step in our church, to fill out a connect card, give us information. But at the same time too, it's a great way for you to have some sermon notes and has a Bible in there to follow along with us. And so as you're turning to Philippians chapter two with us this morning, I need to set the stage a little bit. That the, the letter of Philippians was written by this man by the name of Paul. And Paul uh, wrote this letter and is oftentimes referred to as the letter of encouragement. Now, it's not this encouragement of like, hey, just kind of buck up there, bucko. Rather, it's a letter to encourage people to live out more of their kingdom citizenship more than their earthly citizenship. That we should be encouraged to be more committed to God than we are to the ways of society. So in Philippians chapter two, though, we began to have this conversation of humility unfold before us. In humility chapter two, starting in verse one, follow along with me. Paul says this, he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. What Paul is kind of saying here, this is the foundation of humility, that humility comes from being united with Jesus. But it's the most important thing to know in the gospel message, in the truth of our faith, that being united with Jesus only comes from his work, his life, his death, his resurrection. It is never earned, rather it is a free gift of grace. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying, if, 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 if that grace is evident in your life, it should be uh, seen, it should be explained, it should be lived out in these other interactions with other people. But this is the foundation of humility, is that without humility, there is no unity with Jesus. Without humility, there can be no unity with Jesus. You see, humility isn't just an example to follow, but it was how Jesus was able to excommunicate sin from anyone who has faith in him. That we are united to God eternally by grace through faith because of the humble work of a servant, the Godhead, the savior of the world, the Yeshua Messiah on the cross. That with humility, we have unity with Jesus. It took the humility on behalf of Jesus to willingly die, to give up his life on the cross as a ransom for many. But it requires humility on our behalf to realize that we are sinful, that we are broken, 
And that only through the repentance of our sin can we be restored by Jesus. This is where Paul starts. He says, if you want to know where humility comes from, it all is, is pointed back to Jesus and his work on the cross. And so then he says, if that is our foundation, let me describe to you what should not be your foundation of humility in this life. Paul continues in Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. He says, so, so, so do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking where? Inward, to your own interests, but each of you to where? Outward, the interests of others. Paul is kind of saying, hey, 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 don't believe the hype. Don't don't, don't fall into the trap. Don't be like the world, that that bad way of thinking. You see that that phrase, selfish ambition, vain conceit. It's it's a phrase that means false fulfillment, fake meaning in life. You see, see what I think Paul is getting at, he's saying, you know the advice of society. You know that what society tells you to do is what? Is to look out for numero uno. Listen to your heart. See what your heart desires. Get to the top as fast as you can. Get to the top as best as you can. It doesn't matter who you have to step on. It doesn't matter how many corners you have to cut. It doesn't matter who's beneath you. Just get to the top, bro. See, that's what Paul's saying. Isn't that become what, what life is to the world? It's how far, how fast can you climb the ladder? We get so preoccupied with our prominence, our prestige, our power that we begin to think, well, just got to get up here. I just, I just got to make my way up to the top. And so, so moment after moment, decision after decision, change after change, we make this ladder the point of life. How can I get myself to the top? You ever reach the top? If... Is it going to be worth it? And we do something funny sometimes, don't we too? Is, is the people who, who we kind of idolize and think that they've, they've gotten to the top, who then kind of take maybe just, just one step down and say, oh, but I'm going to place this person, my family, this, this entity above us. We begin to say, man, look how humble they are. They've got everything, but they choose to honor something above themselves. When we begin to associate humility with someone who has to have a lot first in order to be humble. You see, the cadence of the world, the advice of society, the, the, the ways, the ladder of life is, is one that says you got to get to the top no matter what. There, I describe it this way, that the way you climb the ladder is to look inward so that you may look downward so you can look inward again. You look inward, find the meaning, the motivation, the purpose of your life as you choose and desire then as you climb the ladder, step after step, rung after rung, it allows you to look down on others and power and prestige, what you have and they don't. Hopefully then that you can turn around and look inward yet again saying, look, I've arrived. I've gotten it. I've taken another step. And then hopefully maybe I feel more secure. But here's the thing. For those of us who have found ourselves climbing that ladder, do you really feel more fulfilled each time you take a step, especially when you find yourself looking down on others on your way up. 
You see, well, 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 Paul's going to challenge us here the next few verses. He's saying, is if your foundation, if you want to be a humble person and that's built on Jesus, you have to get rid of that mindset. That cannot be the way you approach the ladder of life. Rather, there needs to be a radical shift in your heart and in your mind. So Paul says, let me describe to you what living out Christ-like humility looks like compared to the rest of the world. This is what Paul says, picking up in verse five. He says, so in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And he begins to describe who Jesus was and what he did. So Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Amen. I just love how Paul kind of starts there in verse seven, where he kind of describes, I just imagine Jesus uh, and God kind of talking and just being like, all right, here's the plan. You're going to need to go down there. They keep screwing it up. They can't figure it out. That whole sin thing, this problem is out of control. We need to go fix it for them. Okay, I guess I'll become like one of those humans. And so here's what happens. This is what Paul describes for us. He says that Jesus is up here. This is where he was. This is where he lived. This is where he belonged to be because Jesus was God. But he decided to say that, you know what I want to do. You know what we have to to do so that people can be right with God is that Jesus has to say, I'm going to go all the way from the top, all the way from the bottom. He did not consider equality with God to be maintained. Rather, he became nothing. He became a servant. He became human. Why? So that each and every person may know, may know and experience the glory of God himself. It's crazy to think about that that, that Jesus would be willing to give up everything, his deity, so that in humble service, we can be united with God. See, here's the hard truth is that humanity was a step down for Jesus. Yet we are so often preoccupied pursuing everything that humanity has to offer like crazy. See, the deficit of what Jesus did by going from God to being the God man, it was not a loss. Rather, it was done to defeat the power of sin. You see, Jesus could have said, don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I'm capable of? Don't you realize who, 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 who you're talking to in this moment? I don't have to do this. I don't deserve to do this. I am above you. I don't need to go through this, but I will because I love you. Because you're my creation. 
because I want you to experience my love, my grace, my mercy, and to live in my kingdom. I don't deserve this. It is beneath me, but I will become nothing. I will humble myself to the point of death because I am a good and loving God. Do you think perhaps we, we struggle to humble ourselves before God and before others? It's because we naturally think we are the center of the universe, that the goal is to get to the top. The hardest reality for us to come to grips with is, is often that, 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 that we are not God, that you are not God. You are not in control of the universe, of the, of the sun, the moon, the stars, the tide. You are not even in, in, in the ultimate sovereign control of your own life. But Jesus, he gave up being comfy, fully divine and of power to become a baby boy born in Bethlehem, bound for the cross to break the barriers of sin, to bridge us back to God. But he had to first exude the definition of humility in order to do that. You see, you see, to the world, when Jesus died on the cross, to the world, the cross was the greatest statement of humiliation. It was the worst way to die, that Jesus hung on a tree, on a wooden cross next to thieves and other sinners alike. There's the Prince of Peace. That's the Lord of Lords. That's the Messiah you claim who came to restore the world. But to God, the cross was the greatest statement of humility. There is no other way. It must be done this way. It requires humility in the utmost fashion for restoration between God and others to happen. That this is the way Paul is saying, humility, humilitas, that if Christ died for sinners, you and I alike, get this, can't we humble ourselves to get along with people we don't agree with? Can't we humble ourselves to treat others with civility and dignity, even if we don't see eye to eye? See, here, here's something though, that, that if you're a theology nerd like me, so like all three of us, we can all kind of hang out here for a few seconds. There's, there's something with this illustration that we kind of get caught up on. We say, well, here's the thing, Eric. Eric yeah, Jesus was God and he became man, but wasn't he both? Wasn't, didn't he, wasn't he both? He wasn't just God, then just man. That, that our Christology tells us that he was fully God and fully man. It's how he could live a perfect life. And so, so let me add this, this way of thinking, because Jesus does something extra. He does something that radically should transform and shapes us. Is that when it comes to the ladder of life, when it comes to our pursuit, and God is saying, I was up here, but I'm making myself down here. He does something extra that only he has the power and the ability to do. He says, you want to know what true life looks like? True humility? It's this. That this is what a life pursuing Jesus looks like. He says, I'm going to go from the top all the way to the bottom, but I'm going to do you one more. I'm going to flip the ladder completely. I'm going to show you that as you pursue the top of the ladder, you're going to find yourself probably nowhere where you really want to be. But those who humble themselves 
to the bottom of the ladder will find themselves in eternity at the top next to God if they humble themselves just like my son, Jesus. See, see, Jesus does this upside down flipping of our, of our minds and our hearts all the time. He says, let me take what you think. Let me take what you know. Let me take what you, what you understand about life and boom, I'm going to change it completely because if you want in, it needs to be radically different. You know, when Jesus was given the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard it said, what society tells you, Love your, en- your, your, your neighbors, but hate your enemies. But I tell you, Jesus says, to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. When Jesus gives the parable of the good Samaritan, the man's lying in the ditch, the one that no one stopped for, the religious leaders pass on by, they give all these excuses, but it was his blood feuded uh, a neighbor, a Hatfield stopped for a McCoy to give him insurmountable love and grace. And the hero of that story, that Jesus in his own circle of friendships, last supper as, as the disciples and Jesus were all reclining around the table, arguing and bickering who who's going to be the one who sits next to Jesus for all eternity. He, he pushes himself away from the table. He picks up a towel and a water base and he begins to wash his disciples feet. Even the feet of Judas, the one who in just a few more hours will betray him for a measly bag of coins. Jesus consistently flips upside down what we think, what our hearts yearn for naturally to say, no, 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 let me show you a different way. Let me show you a better way. Let me show you a way that will radically transform your life and the life of anyone you come into contact with. I want you to think about this for a moment. Without humility, if we approach life with this ladder that we need to climb up, we find ourselves looking inward and downward and inward again. Without humility, how do we have a natural tendency to treat those that we disagree with? Our enemies, the ones caught in a ditch to our betrayers, those that we don't really see eye to eye with. Are we willing to serve them? To love them? To care for them? want what's best for them? Or is it a different response? See, the, the lesson of humility, it's not a, a, a lesson of morality like this. Hey, you know what's good is humility. You should try it sometime. You should really just give it a shot. No, no, no. It's an attribute that should define us. It's a piece of attire that we put on as disciples, as Christians, as the church, that we willingly wear so that it works for the benefit of others. You know, it makes me think of, it's like a golf caddy. Right? Because most people don't know and understand that, that mo- most professional golf caddies, they're self-sufficient. They're, 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 they're highly accomplished golfers in their own right. But on a daily basis, they walk into that clubhouse, they go to their own caddy den, and over their own clothes, they don a bib or some white overalls with someone else's name on the back, saying, I exist to serve the one who is greater than I. You see, only who 
or what is at the top of our ladder, who we look up to, who we believe is in control, what we think runs this life is the only thing that we will humble ourselves for, is the only name that we will be willing to put on our back. So when it comes to the ladder of humility, where do you find yourself? What is at the top? You see, uh, the only way to, to properly view God and others is by looking upward. And that means that we have to be at a bottom. Because let me, let me put it this way. Let's say God is at the top, but you place yourself right there in the middle and everyone else is beneath you. That means in order to, to, to look at others, you have to turn and look down upon them to see where they are and what they might need. Or, or let's flip it. Let's say you're someone who has a high view of other people that you just genuinely care for people of the kindness, the goodness of your heart, but God does not exist. God is at the bottom of that ladder of your life. What do you have to turn your back on in order to care for others? Who do you have to turn your back on to see God in that moment? You see, what Jesus exemplified and what Paul is saying to us in this passage in Philippians is this is that in order to exude the humility of Christ, we must look upward, which causes us to look inward so that we may look outward. We look upward to see that God and God alone is the one who belongs at the top of the universe, which should then cause us to look inward, to be aware of our sin and our need to be saved and our repentance and that grace and love that restores us so that we may serve other people, which should then cause us to look others outward in a humble approach to each and every person we come across. Why? Because Jesus was humble on our behalf. You see, humility means helping each other realize that you don't need to climb the ladder to be with Jesus. You don't need to earn your way. You don't need to prove your worth to be with Jesus. And dare I say that humility also means that you don't need to be able to prove yourself to have my love, to have my acceptance, to have my worth, to have my value. The humility is the way of Jesus and it should be ours as well too. So what does it look like? How do we stay humble? How do we seek after humility without losing sight of it? There are a bunch of passages throughout, throughout scripture that talks about a humble heart and a humble attitude. Romans chapter 12 says, don't think highly of, more highly than you ought to of yourself. John the Baptist is, is quoted in John chapter three, verse 30, that he must increase, I must decrease. The prophet Jeremiah says in chapter two, and he's talking about how Israel was led astray is that they turned their back on God and chased after the desires of their heart. And then Paul, he gives us a, a great glimpse of what humility looks like. In his letter to the Galatians, in Galatians 1 verse 10, I love this verse and this idea of humility. He says this, he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
See, what the, the ladder of humility teaches us, it's that it's the humility of Jesus that makes us right with God and uh, with others. But humility flips that ladder as well too for us to have a different change in our mindset and in our hearts. See, humility means that in the eyes of God, that we are all created equal, regardless of who we are, where we come from, and the decisions that we have made. In the eyes, uh, in the law of God, humility means that we all fall short. We are all equally in need of redemption. The humility means that in the grace of God, we are all redeemed. In the love of God, we are all accepted. In the mission of God, we all have a call and a purpose to play. Humility, it looks good on everyone. So what does it have to do with your political views? You might be asking, Eric, this is good. I I like where, what does this have to do with where I land on this scale. Just, I think people, some of you just might need to hear this, okay? Remember that the universe does not revolve around a ballot or who is sitting in an office. That the universe revolves only around one. One sovereign creator God who left his lofty place in humility to bring hope and restoration. That that humility of Jesus is where we should find peace and joy with God and with one another. You need to know that, that the USA is not God. That your political party is not the church. That the American dream is not the gospel. Your politician is not the Messiah. And your political views are not the truth. That if your hope is rooted in winning elections or defeating the other sides or abolishing a system, your hope is found in something that will not last. That our hope must rest and reside in the humble savior of the world, his work, his life, his blood, Jesus Christ. And then we must realize that that kingdom has come for us to live and take part of that and invite others to join in. We need to stop placing our hope and our ability to love others on a ballot. Here's the thing. Jesus, he's not on the ballot. And the last time he was, we picked Barabbas instead. Pursue the humility of Christ. Flip that ladder of your life. Reject the cadence of the world. Let me close with this. This is what it looks like for us. Is that when the world says cancel, humility says care. When the world says it's okay to cancel people, to to write them off, humility says, no, 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 no. You need to care for them, perhaps even more so. That when the world claims self, look out for number one, numero uno, humility says, no, 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 we're actually called to be selfless. When the world shouts and yells and screams and the conversations and the posts and the arguments get more volatile, humility says, no, no, we're called to soften. To soften our, 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 our hearts, to soften our minds, to soften our words, to bring comfort and encouragement to all people. And when the world says, look downward and inward for meaning, for purpose, for fulfillment, humility says, no, we look upward 
and we look outward because that is what our Savior did. How might the Spirit of Christ, his example of humility, be convicting you today as it's convicting me to flip the ladder of my own life? Let's move to our time of response. I want to ask everyone who's here with us in Champaign or joining us online or in Urbana to kind of take a posture of prayer right now. I think one of the things that I want us to do is maybe all just to close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you would, just extend your hands out. If you want to rest them on your legs or if you want to put them out in front of you. And whether audibly or just internally, I want you to say these words with me. All that I am and all that I have is yours, God. All that I am and all that I have is yours, God. It's a simple posture of humility that we come to God in our time of response. And while we can repeat that, it's another thing to live that. I think we hear a message about humility and Eric did an incredible job just speaking from his heart and his mind, mastering a text that is so complex in different ways. There's something that happens when the mind and the heart feel that conflict and then they begin begin to come to peace under the Lordship of Jesus. We begin to realize that the decisions we make in everyday moments have eternal consequences. We realize that the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just something that we ascend to to say, thank you, God, for what you've done, but we consume it in a way that our life begins to reflect that as well, that we die to ourself so that we can be raised anew in the life that only comes through Jesus. We've created this church app that you could be able to respond in this moment. Right now, people are finishing up their notes and literally they're emailing them to themselves so that they can save them, the thoughts, the directions, the the things that they put in there so they can kind of keep a file. And maybe one day they'll pull them back up and they'll look at where maybe God marked them on this weekend. Some are taking a moment to use the Sunday feature to write down a prayer request that they have or to to recognize that because all that we are and all that we have is God's, we're responding. Whether it be to to join a group, whether it be to serve, or whether it be as simple as uh, giving a gift. I want to encourage you, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, I want you to go ahead and take your elements, whether you're at home or here. We have a disposable element that we hand out of bread and juice. And for each of us, we're reminded that Jesus was the one who said, this is my body broken for you when he took the bread. He encouraged encouraged his disciples to take and to eat. It should be a reminder that the body of God in the person of Jesus was broken 
he took our punishment on him. In the same way, he took the cup, the juice. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. As a body of faith, a body of believers, as a church, we pause in this response time because all that we are and all that we have is God's. And we want to be the kind of people that surrender our lives every day back to Jesus. And that's why our mission is to help each other follow Jesus because we know individually it's a race that we would fall apart on, but together we can, we can live this life of surrender together. So as we wrap up, let me encourage you to be faithful with all that God has given you, to respond with your own life. Because in this room, I know that there are people that have humbled themselves enough to show up at work every day, whether they're a teacher, whether they're a government official, whether they're a law enforcement officer. And we are called to stand in those moments and it takes humility to continue to serve in the roles that we've been called to. In this room, husband and wives have been put back together, still stand together in faithfulness when lives and marriage has been hard. There are relationships, friendships, coworkers, friends, neighbors, whatever, that it has taken humility for us to swallow our pride, to apologize, to forgive, to continue to love when it's been difficult. So may we respond, whether it's in a prayer request, whether it's an opportunity to serve, or whether it's in taking our finances, may we stand before God today and every day and live the anthem that says before God in all humility, God, all that I have and all that I am, it's yours. Do as you will. <laughs>